0: All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with us today, we have a very special guest, John Austin Foster. I'm going to introduce John in just a minute, but first he's going to tell us why we should tune
1: into the show today. So as I'm sure everyone says, it's a simple and a tough question at the same time. Uh, (laughs) Why should they tune into me? Um, But really, I mean, Mostly because I've spent 15 years trying to solve a very specific problem uh, inside of the health and wellness industry. And it's worked me as much as I've tried to work it. And really what I would say is if you've ever struggled with following a health and fitness program, right, or pursuing your goals and you haven't felt passionate or motivated and you feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over again, Um you're really going to want to listen to this because I've really tried to solve the problem as to why people don't create deeper change on their health and fitness journey uh, and why the industry is kind of spinning its wheels and creating more, you know, I would say dysfunction than function uh, by giving people programs. So my journey has been, how do we help people truly change on a deeper level that's sustainable, passionate and joy filled, which is much different than the outcome orientation look better for ego purposes, external purposes, which just doesn't work. The science doesn't show that it works. Um, On the ground, I can tell you it doesn't work. And I spun my wheels for 10 years before I started to figure it out. So that's why.
0: So to give you guys a bit more background on John, he is a mindset and lifestyle coach with over 15 years of experience. He combines ancient philosophy with modern wisdom to optimize lives. And over his career, he's learned from some of the most elite minds in mental and physical performance optimization. He was personally mentored by Rob McNamara, former Harvard teaching fellow and author of Strength to Awaken. And he's certified as an optimized coach with Brian Johnson, the CEO of Heroic Public Benefit Corp. He's trained everyone from CEOs to college athletes, stay-at-home moms, and retirees. His passion is to help everyone from top performers to the everyday athlete transform their mindset and lifestyle. So without uh, further ado, welcome to the show, John.
1: Hey, thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Yeah. So tell me, you know, kind of the origins of your sort of, you know, health and and fitness journey. What, What kind of led up to that point?
1: Well, if you had told me growing up that I would spend my life in the health and wellness industry. Um, Something I've even fought, and I'll explain that, (laughs) while being in the health and fitness industry, uh, when I was even in college, I would have been completely incredulous. Uh, I actually ended up gaining, like, around early college period, um, ended up gaining a lot of weight. I was always kind of overweight in high school, and I was close to 300 pounds, Uh, so Um, You know, I had no vision or desire to be in the health and wellness industry. I was struggling with it myself, dieting, trying to lose weight, and I ended up getting less and less healthy. Uh, But long story short, uh, this is 20 years ago. I ended up doing Bill Phillips Body for Life, doing his three-month challenge, uh, taking the pictures, following his programs, and I lost around, you know, 40 to 60 pounds uh, in a 90-day period, and I, you know, needless to say, was incredibly motivated by that and continued on that journey. And I think what happened is I changed so dramatically, um, you know, personally, uh, confidence-wise, identity-wise, which I'll get into uh, through that path that um, I ended up choosing it as a career path at the time, temporarily, I was like, oh, I'll do personal training for a little while. I had a degree in marketing. Uh, I'll do personal training for a little while, see where that takes me and see what life has to offer me. And lo and behold, uh, Ten years later, you know, I learned some things. I helped a lot of people. You know, help clients. You know, lose a lot of weight. Help some clients lose more than 100 pounds themselves. Um, you know, worked my 10,000 hours plus in the mainstream fitness industry, and you know, that's where I discovered there's a lot of dysfunction in the industry. I feel like it's framed incorrectly to really help people on a deeper level. Uh, so, trying to make a long story short, I left, opened my own studio, and started figuring out who I was. Uh, as a coach, uh, how do I help people create change? Cause what I saw is every once in a while, someone will transform when you help them by giving them a program, but they do it on an identity level, right. On who they are. And most people, they come in for a program, they do what you tell them to do. And then you see them three months after they're finished with you and they're back to whatever it is that they were doing before. So that stat that 95% of people gain the weight back within five years. I mean, that's true from an experiential standpoint. Um, How do we fix this problem? And I spent three years like really studying. Uh, That's where I mentored with Rob McNamara, who wrote a book on um, strength training practice from more of a yogic perspective. Uh, I did mindfulness. I've been a mindfulness practitioner for 15 years. So I uh, did a lot of meditation with my clients. Uh, I was life coaching them, personal training them, doing yoga with them. uh, And I didn't you know, there's no such thing at that point as like a mindset coach. There was mindfulness, but how does this tie into fitness, and how does it all fit together? So, um, basically, I had it took about three years uh, to kind of step out and kind of like look at the problem more objectively and try to figure out how can I really help my clients change on a deeper level. That's when I started developing into who I am now, which is that mindset and that lifestyle coach, which I see as the two pillars that underlie any program that you're going to do. You got to have the right mindset. You got to view the problem properly. You have the right relationship with your body and with your workout. Most people do not have right relationship, right? And then you got to develop a lifestyle that you love that fits with who you are. It's not some program that someone else is giving to you. Basically that's secondary to me. Programs to me are at the very end, when you're you have the lifestyle and the practice, and we want to fine tune what you do, uh, but lifestyles more primary. And I'll finish with James Clear's quote. quote but uh, author of Atomic Habits says, you know, don't decide on what outcome you want. Decide on what lifestyle you want to live. Most people focus on outcome. The answer lies in the right lifestyle. And I love that. That kind of sums up what I do. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but um, that's that's where I'm at now.
0: Yeah, no, I I want to hear more about this dysfunction that you saw, you know, within the fitness industry as you were working in it. And, you know, why, what, after, after really examining it, what was the reason that people didn't, what weren't able to kind of keep that long lasting change and reverted back to their,
1: their old patterns or their old weight, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of different levels to it. That's why it took so long to see it properly. Um, So we can start with the narrative level and the society kind of cultural aspect of it. And that's where we're all given overnight success stories, right? We're all given. So because the system is a capitalist-based system where people need to sell their programs and sell their products, I don't have any problem with that, but that in and of itself, it motivates people to sell you on their program that this is going to work for you. So it's an outside-in approach. OK, so everything in the industry is primarily outside in. And that's kind of it's hard to see that it's kind of been visible to the average person because they're like, hey, I want these results. I want to do this program. And people are motivated to sell you like my program is going to fix you. Right. OK, and so they're both operating. And now maybe this program worked for that individual who's selling the program, but it may or may not work for the individual who's buying the program. So people go into it from a consumer end and from a product kind of implementation and kind of in the wrong way. So the framework's already set up for failure from the very beginning. Okay. Also, so that's kind of on a societal level, on the personal training level. Now, let me just say right now, my passion is to figure out how personal training can transform to really help people reach their goals. And I think it does in a lot of ways, but from a framework perspective for a personal trainer, they're highly motivated to find those high-end clients and to keep them Okay, So their paycheck is dependent on basically dependency, what I call a pre-personal relationship on the client's end to the training. So the trainer's the authority and the client is the student. And they kind of embed themselves in that juxtaposition where the trainer's motivated to like, hey, I'm gonna work you out. I'm gonna get you in shape. If you keep working with me, I'm the person who's gonna get you there by giving you this program right? that I've developed. And because it's pre-personal, what I found like being that person Um, Every once in a while, I'd test the waters. I'd be six months in with a client. I'd be, hey, like you run the workout or you teach me today. And like 10 times out of 10, they would look me in the eye like a deer in the headlights. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, so I've been working with you all this time and I haven't taught you how to drive your own car, you know, how to run your own program. And that's a problem to me because I then I'm I have to, as a personal trainer, find those individuals who can afford it. (laughs) <laughs> like forever. <laughs> or the people who can't afford it hire me thinking I'm going to help them. And because I don't know how to teach them properly and train them, they I burn them out financially. So my frustration was is, like, I'm part of the problem here. I'm not solving the problem. I'm I'm kind of enforcing this pre-personal dependent relationship rather than empowering my clients to be truly successful. And that's why I left. I just couldn't do that anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to tell people to do more squats or pushups without having a purpose to it. Right. It's like I don't need to like, I don't need to be your daddy or your, you know, like make you do these things. I want you to want to do these things. Okay. And the thing is the average like person in the fitness industry, they they externalize the problem like, oh well, people aren't motivated. And they, they kind of they don't take responsibility for it. And and they they basically say, oh, well, I'm giving them the right answers, but they're not doing it. And I think that's a that's shirking your responsibility. You know, it's kind of my conclusion is that the fitness industry and personal trainers are failing their membership and their clients. And that's on you. And we need to fix this problem. How do we help help people truly change and give them the tools? Begins with mindset, by the way. I mean, that's that that's the underlying thing. It's not a secret program. <laughs> you know, it's a mindset, it's a vision. You know, it's it's a passion. What are they passionate about, right? Finding those things, uncovering those things, helping the individual do those things. That's really important. It's hard to do that just training someone physically. You have to hit the mental piece and then you can move into the physical piece. And that's really where I'm at now is like, so I've been kind of outside of the industry for a while, right, operating as a kind of a sole proprietor. Um, but I've actually just entered back in to work with gyms. And what's really cool is people in the industry, they, they see the problem and, and it's not like, oh yeah, well, that's how we keep our members (laughs) by keeping them dependent. Like, you know, that's kind of an old school mindset. Like what I found is I just talked to the, the, the founder of, of choose fitness, which is a chain here in the Midwest, um, and West coast. Um, and it's one of the fastest growing franchises. I just talked to Ray Barshik who founded it. With his two sons and his partner. And I mean, immediately he's like, Yes, absolutely. Like, absolutely, there's a problem. <laughs> even the people who are in the who have memberships in the gym, like only, I mean, less than 30% of those sh- even show up. So we have 70% of our members who are just not even coming. How do we solve this problem? So, and they're trying to do it through messaging and so on and so forth. But um, I think mindset and lifestyle coaching, you know, I, I don't want to be too hubristic, but I, I think. You know, I think that's part of the solution, you know, is that integrating with gyms, integrating with personal trainers to be successful. So, yeah. So kind of from the, from the culture level, from the systems level down to the personal training level, that's the dysfunction I saw and what I want to fix. And kind of my hero's journey was, you know, seeing that something's wrong, leaving you know going into the underground figuring out the problem and then bringing back you know hopefully some some solution to this problem to revivify this industry and and hopefully help help it transform
0: so it, it sounds like what you were finding with with clients they were sort of like outsourcing their you know health or wellness in a way like they were they were coming to you trying or or to other people in the industry you know, for answers to their problems that it sounds like from what you're talking about with the mindset that they may be able to kind of find that the answers to those problems within themselves if they were able to kind of take a look. Am I yeah.
1: kind of onto something there? Oh man, that's it. I'm just gleaming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everybody's taught that the answers are outside of them. And I think the right coach or teacher can help them look inside and find what they're passionate about. And You know, like for years, I would, I would train clients, but honestly, what I wanted to do is say, are you happy? (laughs) Do you have a purpose? How does energy tie into that purpose? And what do you love? Like, if you want to dance, like dance, (laughs) if you, you know, I mean, just, you know, like what, what are we doing here? You know, like we have this, you know, gym out of the seventies of pumping iron, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, nothing wrong with that, but that, that fits a very small demographic. And that's what the gym is modeled after. It doesn't resonate with the individual, um, with most individuals, I should say. You know, it resonates with the people who are there. And so, you know, so there's a lot of a lot. Again, there's a lot of issues. It's it's the environment ha- sends a message. Then the personal trainers, you know, a lot of them are young athletes, and that's wonderful. But how do you help someone in their 40s, 50s, 60s find what they're passionate about? Maybe it's just gardening and being a better you know being being able to play with their grandkids like how, how does you know lifting weights tie into that it does strength is important you know for so many reasons but you know it's just it's a failure it's a it's a loss in translation you know and and yeah so it's like help people find their inner passionate vision help them look within and then train them for that so
0: you know when when someone comes to you uh, to start working and and you ask them some of these questions about you know what what their passion is or why they're you know even wanting to embark on this sort of health and fitness journey what are some common responses if there are even i mean when you ask people those questions do you get a lot of like i don't know
1: or yeah. yeah and 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 it's like it's like me asking the client 6 months in to 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 do the to run the session you know it's the same during the headlights like a lot of us aren't connected to our passion and to our purpose for that matter. So you ask people like, what is your, I mean, so how does per- purpose tie into fitness? We can get into that, right? Because that that was a long, that was a uh, problem that worked me for a while. How do we, you know, how is asking people their purpose tie into health? Um, Which led me more into life coaching for a long time versus just getting back in the fitness industry. Um, but most people aren't connected with, their purpose. And so that's why I create a container or coaching program that, you know, gives them a series of questions to ask. Right. Um, And kind of goes into like, really just looking at like, what, what is purpose? What are you here in service to the world to do? Right. And, you know, figuring out what they're, I mean, I don't know, it's just a process that you have to walk them through and it takes time. It doesn't come right away. And, and what do you view
0: as your job in terms of, you know, facilitating that process and, and I guess helping people find that purpose if they don't have it yet? Like, what's that what's that journey?
1: Well, what are you doing on a regular basis? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing right now? What what lights you up? So what's wholehearted for you? You know, when do you feel most alive? Whether so you could have a career purpose, you can have a relationship purpose. Right. So I mean, there's different purposes in life. you know, and I break it down into kind of three different areas. You kind of have an ultimate purpose, which is to be in service to humanity in some way. right? Then you have a unique purpose of like how do your how do your unique gifts and talents, right? What do you enjoy doing the most? Like I use a lot of Stephen Kotler stuff, like write down down ten things that you're curious about. What do you love doing, what lights you up, right? And then that how do, what how does that tie into your passion? Right, what you enjoy doing, it, and then how can you offer those gifts and talents, your passions, to the world in a way that is of service? So there's kind of a personal and a transpersonal element to that, and it's a matter of, you know, walking the individual through the steps to to figure it out. Um, and then with health and fitness, after we kind of play around with that, maybe maybe that takes some time, but a lot of times people have an idea of like a mission, what I call a mission that they want to accomplish. So like, what is something like some people want to run marathons. Other people think that is, you know, terrible, horrible, grueling, and they have no desire whatsoever to run marathons. So obviously running a marathon would be a terrible mission, (laughs) but it could be, you know, again, like I said before, dancing, it could be climbing mountains, hiking. I'm in Colorado, you know, so what kind of mission? So a mission is something that you can actually like finish. You know, so running a race, that's a mission, right? And now we can train for that mission. And by training for that mission, that also helps you fulfill your purpose because you're enlivened by doing something passionate for you and you're becoming more energized. You're training, you're getting healthy, right? Which is helping you follow your purpose, which could be on a relational level, being a better grandmother or mother or father, or it could be on a career level, bringing a business to the world that's just, you know, life-changing or world-changing. So it all kind of fits together. And that's, you know, again, that's a process that I walk people through. And
0: what, you know, what percent of people, or I guess there's kind of a a two layers to this question. I mean, you know, how, how many people do you feel like you found really do have a firm purpose along with kind of, you know, I would assume that that's something that people might eventually reach you know, at a certain age or level of maturity, that they might, you know, they may have gone a certain period of their life, you know, their their teenage years, their 20s, without necessarily finding a purpose, and then, you know, discover it later in life, whereas other people uh, seem to have found it a lot earlier. So, so what's your take on kind of, you know, people's ability to find that purpose and, and the age in which they're able to do that?
1: I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it lies in the process of teaching people how to be more mindful. Uh, Meditation is a huge part of my process of what I teach people to do, um, to get in touch with themselves. You know, like, I've really struggled with, like, what's the right program to help people find their purpose? (laughs) that that's really work you know in the end there is like that's still like that still kind of connotates I have the answers for you so it's really it's hard navigating this world where all the answers are like there's a program to help you find your purpose Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I want to fall into that same thing I fell into um and it's just like I'm seeing it right now so clearly because I'm like oh man I gotta I gotta give the program right now and it's really giving people the tools and I think, and, and I think once you start getting into that meditation practice, getting in most people, I would say, aren't even connected to their bodies. Okay. And a big part of my fitness journey and helping people be joyful and passionate is helping people to connect to their bodies because there's so much information there, you know, in our heart and our belly, right? There's so much information that we're taking in and we're cut off from So our intuitions are diminished tremendously. We're walking heads, right? Like rationalizing the world and we're cut off from our emotions and what our emotions are teaching us. And I think, I mean, that's the answer, I think to your question, I mean, whatever age, it doesn't matter. It's just, I think when you sit, step back and you listen to yourself and you meditate and you connect to your body, and then you maybe answer some questions that I have in the coaching, like, hey, what, do you, what are your, some curiosities that you love? What are some passions that you have? Then you're able to answer that from a deeper place, right? So I think you know the reason for people who are, aren't connected to their passion, their purpose, they've been given, they, it's been given to them externally. They were raised in a family that said, you must become a doctor or a lawyer. Um, you must get healthy. you you know, must look a certain way because you need to be presented in the world. You know, I mean, like, it's all just like, you know, you should do this from an external standpoint. And then one day they're, you know, in their mid thirties or forties, like, man, I'm, why am I unhappy? Right. And some people never ask those questions and some people never get there. Right. Some people are more connected with it at a younger level. I don't have, I think every soul's journey, um, is unique. Uh, so Um, But it's just, it's connecting to yourself that when, when, when that happens and you do the work, um, it's also terrifying too, right? What if you look inside and you're like totally off kilter, you know, like that's terrible. I mean, that's why it's the hero's journey. Like those are the dragons, right? And you have to grieve that somewhat, like that you haven't been connected with yourself and that takes a lot of courage. And yeah. So
0: now how about in terms of, you know, what what you've learned along your journey as, you know, I mentioned in the intro, you've gotten a mentor with some really amazing people uh, Rob McNamara and uh, Brian Johnson you mentioned or I mentioned in your bio, you know, what does kind of getting mentored uh, or just working with with you know incredibly intelligent and, and driven people. What what have been some of the biggest
1: takeaways for you? Well, my my initial mentor my initial mentor was probably Joseph Campbell. You probably hear hear me talk about the hero's journey quite a bit. Uh, he he kind of took me out of the mundane and um, moved me into the the sensational <laughs> world. Um, and what's crazy is the guy who introduced me to Joseph Campbell or one of the guys, two guys did. Um, but one guy was Gary, uh, this super, like he, he was like a tugboat captain. We were working for the small business administration, by the way. And like this, I was eight, 20, 21, 22, right out of college. So probably one of my greatest mentors right off was a regular guy, you know, quote unquote, uh, who wore overalls to work and was a tugboat captain at some point and was working at the Small Business Administration and we were sitting in a white room like bored to death because nobody in this part of the country could get loans. They were all going to FEMA. Uh, it was, uh, you know, so Hurricane Country, you're familiar, from Florida. Uh, so it was um, after one of the, hur- uh, Ivan, I think, Um year before Katrina and I was working for a Small Business Administration trying to figure out what I wanted to do and he told me he just changed my perception. He says you look bored. Like wh- why? Like this is an adventure. I'm like, what? We're sitting in a room. Like not he's like this is an adventure right here. Life's an adventure. And he told me his story and he taught me to look at life as an adventure and introduced me to Joseph Campbell. So, I'd say the first, you know, way mentors helped me is just radicalizing how I viewed myself in relationship to the world. Um you know, I fell in love with like the hero's journey and superhero movies because superhero movies are our journey. We are the superhero, <laughs> you know, it's not out there. It's, it's entertainment on a screen, but it's teaching us about who we are and we all have different superpowers and so on and so forth. Uh, so with my coaching, one thing I do is I teach people to create a superhero identity. Who are you? You know, what's what's wanting to come out? Um, Rob, so being in the mainstream fitness industry, looking for solutions, um uh i basically was part of uh integral life so there's an integral center up in boulder for a while which is ken Wilburn. and that's a whole nother story of philosophy but uh rob is a student of ken's uh and he wrote a book on basically integral training which is uh this idea of human development through a uh, physical practice which just so yoga what's crazy is yoga has been there all along and that was historically i mean not historically but like that's what it was as a personal development practice then the mainstream industry hijacked it and made it like uh you know yoga pants and you know whatever um and then took kind of the deeper essence out of it and some people keep it some people don't and i have no problem either way you know it's, it's fine it is what it is um but he wrote a book called strength to awaken uh which was basically how do you create a strength training practice as this kind of a developmental spiritual practice and that was just like the heavens opened up, and light <laughs> shone down. I was like, "Yes, that's it." You know, that's it. You know, that's that's the answer is to get people to do physical training, but actually, um, you know, it's it's not about you know it's not about doing. It's about being. And again, p- putting legs on this would take a lot of work. Um, so we probably should probably stay away from the theoretical side. Um, but, you know, basically teaching people how to truly build the strength of being in their practice. And, and he told me like, he's like, hey, strength training is kind of like meditation on drugs on because <laughs> it's like, honestly, you have this high intensity and most people want to get out or they want to disappear. And what's crazy is there's a lot of joy inside of intensity. There, there's a lot of mystery and joy and relationship inside of intensity. And if you really get curious with like you know, lifting weights or running, you know, and you get and you get in touch with your body. There's there's actually joy and pain. You know, even and and pain is another question. Like, how do you define pain? Like, most people will see pain, right, as a bad thing. And I see like, is it intensity or is it pain? If it's pain, then it's you're getting injured. You need to stop doing it. But if it's intensity, it's not pain. That's just intensity of of emotion and feeling. And then just circling quickly back to the superhero movies. the reason we go to watch them is to feel the intensity and the adventure of the hero's journey but we do it vicariously like oh wow like look at that adventurous courageous person on screen and we don't realize it's our inner longing for that intensity in life and we can experience that in your everyday workout right so joe rogan you know talks about like getting up and going hard first thing in the morning you know? And like, then the rest of the day, the volume gets turned down because you've already hit that intensity and it, and it basically helps you live life more peacefully because now, you know, like simple problems at the office don't bother you so much. Yeah. So we can frame that in a way of, you know, if you train your superhero first thing in the morning, you know, everyday life's, you know, not so you know scary or whatever, because you have courage and you have a different relationship with your workout. So uh, Rob, and then uh, most recently, I went through Brian Johnson's program. Uh, it was Optimize, his Optimize program, which is a life optimization, more of a life coaching thing. Uh, it was a ten-month program. Uh, it's a couple of years back, but I was, you know, what I loved about it is it required me. Now, I never met Brian Johnson, so he's kind of an online mentor. I don't have a personal relationship with him. Um, I would check out his stuff. Optimize is now free for a lot of his personal development stuff. It's amazing. It's all lifestyle based, right? and mindset you know like it's it's really looking at the bigger picture of optimizing all parts of your life um but really what i loved about that program was it required like i had i was really embedded in theory for a long time but where does theory meet reality and so brian johnson is all about from theory to practice to personal mastery and in order to just graduate from his program i had to show evidence in my life that I followed the protocols that I had a certain level of mastery in my life. You know, so I had, you know, you know, meditation, you know, movement, you know, sleep, nutrition, you know, like all of these lifestyle pieces um, you you were required to, you know, evidence that. And that's where it really things took off for me um, as a coach, because now I was much more fully living my theories uh so I think with Rob and Joseph Campbell, it was like it was very theory-based, it was great. But like when I re- I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't living it, but I wasn't as strongly living it until the Brian Johnson, where it's like, okay, like a real philosopher, like <laughs> not, not a theoretician, uh, but a real philosopher, you know, evidences his philosophy in his life. He takes action, you know, and that's what a real philosopher, a lover of wisdom is you know, is taking knowledge and applying it.
0: So going back to something you said, as far as like the, the intensity, that sounds like you were saying some people kind of shy away from. And I guess my question is why, uh, you know, we look to, as you were saying, we look to superhero movies and want to live vicariously through their kind of experience of extreme intensity. But why, why do some people shy away from intensity when it comes to their own psyches and their own lives?
1: I think I have actually a good answer for that. I, I think people have a poor theory of self. I think they've they've spent their whole life creating a confirmation bias around like I can't do this, right? Um, so really, self building. What? How do you build self confidence? Right. Once you have a certain amount of self confidence, and you can, and a lot of this starts with mindset. And then you can develop a bring it on mindset. Like, I want challenges. We can go into stoicism. We can go a lot of directions with this. Um, but just to keep it, like, simple. Like, a bring it on. Like, I want challenges. Like, I'm training for life, man. Like, if you can't handle challenges. I'm trying to teach my son this. Like, you know, like, stress is not bad. Like, unnecessary stress is bad. And we do that to ourselves with negative self-talk and how, you know, how we relate to things. But stress is not bad. Stress is good. Like, that's the whole you know, to get physically fit, you have to stress your body (laughs) and get stronger. So the framing that stress is bad is terrible. Hans Salai, who introduced stress, created what he called the indestructible rats, where through hormesis or basically, you know, basically giving them minor poisons or whatever, he improved their immune system. And that was his how he like was introducing stress and then the industry took it and like basically messaged stress like, Oh, we have to get rid of stress. Stress is a bad thing. Now, if you're overly stressed again, or unneeded stress, that's a bad thing, but stress is not a bad thing. So we need to look at stress properly, look at obstacles properly. Like I want stress in my life. I want to grow. That makes me more empowered. I'm more hopeful for the future because I know that I can take on problems and face them. You know, what I love about like a good metaphor, like the Navy SEALs is, you know, for the Navy SEALs, when things get crazy, they move toward the action. Now I personally, that would be way above my stress level. I'm not a trained SEAL. I'd be running the other way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, but they like, when things get crazy, like they, they have a front sight focus mindset. They break the battlefield down. Right. And they start taking action, which Stephen Kotler talks about this, then activates our fight versus our flight. So then we activate our endorphins, our dopamine system, and we start getting curious and we start feeling action and feeling empowered. Um, The average person, again, um, and we all have this, And even high-performing individuals have a fixed mindset in certain areas of their life. You know, like they may be a high-performing CEO, but in their health and fitness, they have actually kind of a fixed mindset. Um, And they've learned... Basically they've learned, they have learned hopelessness. They've tried things, programs outside of them that haven't worked. Then they have, so they have a cognitive bias or I'm sorry, confirmation bias of like, I can't do this. Then they hire a trainer thinking that they have the solution and the trainer happily buys into that theory (laughs) because that means money in my pocket. And I don't mean to be negative here. I I mean, everybody's got to make a living. It's not wrong. It's like, I think if they knew how to fix it, they would, right? So the trainer then gives them a program. So they go from zero to, okay, you're going to work out three or four days a week. You're going to change your entire, you're going to go keto with your diet. Uh, You know what? Like we need to change, you know, like here's a whole, here's the program, you know, here, here it is. And the person's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I can do this. You're telling me to do it is what I, you know, so it's, it's, it's too big that it's absolutely going to fail. And so. With my coaching, what I try to do is automatically get so small that they can't fail so we can start building that self-efficacy, right? So my major realization as a trainer was like, if I can start really small with small wins, right? And what's crazy is all the science is showing this from flow you know, to positive psychology, whatever, but incremental mindset, growth mindset, um, basically give people a program that they can follow that's exciting to them, that's personalized to them. They start with small wins. They start building self-efficacy that grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and then within 6 months to a year they're conquering, they're, they're doing badass things um, but most people again they do this they set it up in the very beginning for to basically confirm you know a poor image of self um, and i i can empathize with that you know as someone who was 100 pounds overweight and did you know tried like you know adkins back in the day and you know i gain weight back and try diets and, you know, like it's, it's frustrating, you know, um, I, I, I made the transition into identity identity, right. Over time. I still, I still have an inner fat kid you know, I tell people like, I'm not there yet. Like <laughs> if I tell you, I don't struggle, then you should run away. Cause I'm lying to you. You know, I just view those struggles differently, you know, but the main thing that, that helped me was I became a personal trainer, right. Purpose. I started helping other people, right? Accomplish their missions. And so my identity shifted, okay? The problem is is I wasn't helping my clients shift their identity. I was giving them a program. So it was like, how do I, you know, do the same thing that happened to me, you know, kind of organically through life? And how do I help my, how do I create a framework where my clients can experience the same thing organically, you know, with the right, teachings and process.
0: I'm so glad you brought up self-efficacy. A few episodes ago, I interviewed one of the leading researchers on self-efficacy, Dr. James Maddox, and he explained just how it's like, you know, someone, two people, even with, you know, pretty identical skill sets, if one person has a high level of self-efficacy that they're going to be able to accomplish whatever, you know, task it is that they're uh, that they're working on, whereas the other person has a lower sense of self-efficacy. They don't have that belief in themselves to be able to do whatever it is. Even if they possess the same skill set, you know, the the individual with higher self-efficacy is going to, you know, be able to follow through quite a lot better. So I thought I thought that was, you know, a super a super interesting interview. But but I'm glad you connected it right here because that's something that I think people talk quite a lot about like self-confidence just a general kind of confidence in life but like this self-efficacy where it's like really breaking down things into these like smaller tasks that in order to show yourself that you can do it and then building off that seems so important
1: yeah it's applied theory and that's you know like I'm probably a lot like you like I study this stuff like crazy so I'm stealing from all these great minds you know um so yeah, uh, growth mindset's been a huge influence. Carol Dweck, how do I, apply, how do I help people create a growth? I mean, that, that in, in just inside of that lies, lies a huge solution because growth mindset is also known as incremental theory versus a fixed theory of self. So a lot of people have a fixed theory of self, which is outcome-based. So based on the outcome, if I lose the weight or get to the goal, my, my self-worth is basically contingent on that outcome. So if it goes well, great. <laughs> but a lot of times then people accomplish goal, they don't want to do it again because they might prove they're not a good person this next time because their self-worth is contingent on that outcome. Whereas the incremental or growth mindset individual bases their self-worth on the ability to learn from the process. and they see their skill set as malleable as plastic, you know, just like our brain, you know, it's plastic. So, Basically, they, they base their self-worth on learning from the process. So when they experience failure, it's a challenge. It's a bring it on mindset. If I tried this and it didn't work, no big deal. I'm going to figure out what does work. And when I teach people that success to me, how, do I, how I define success is falling in love with the process. If you fall in love with the process, the outcome's not going to matter so much. And the paradox is the outcome becomes more likely. Cause now you're paying close attention to the process and you're falling in love. And this, what I love about this is I'm applying it to health and fitness, but it applies to every area. So I have clients in, in a lot of different arenas in life, not just health and fitness, but people come to you thinking, you thinking success is like, I'm going to write this book or create this major business. And the reality is you're going to create that business. If you do something you love, you fall in love with the process. It's not just about you, you have purpose. So you're getting to other people and you're able to learn from failure. And you, I know Silicon Valley, I think, is fail fast, fail forward, or fail forward fast. Fail often. Failure is good. Failure is not a loss. Failure is an opportunity. You win. You either accomplish the goal or if you fail, you learn. So there's no bad thing. And then the science of hope is another. So when I teach people growth mindset, they realize that unless they give up, there's no way they can ever fail. The only way you can fail is to give up. Whereas most people think they failed if they don't hit the outcome. So it's a massive reframing. It's impossible. You are now, now that you're on the path that you love, that you took a year or five years, you wouldn't care. Now failure is an impossibility. It's like the batman uh when uh when the guys becomes lieutenant he's like now there are no accidents like it's like a completely different reframing of this of basically the process and then uh with hope i love hope because it's based in self-efficacy so most people think it's hope is like oh i hope tomorrow is better than today but hope has three components the first one is the typical conventional definition of hope the second one is agency or self-efficacy i'm building confidence in myself to get to that future right so you have to make sure that you're collecting small wins and getting better versus failing and confirming a negative sense of self so self-efficacy agency to create that future is huge once you feel like you have agency with a growth mindset you're off of the races and the third piece is probably my favorite and it's multiple pathways so a lot of times people try one pathway and it fails they're like oh Didn't work well, then what's plan B? Plan B doesn't work, go to plan C. You're going to keep experimenting all the way from A to Z. If you're passionate and you have purpose, you're going to keep figuring it out. So, multiple pathways. I can't tell you how many times I thought I would try a program or try a pathway, it didn't work. And I'm like, oh, I'm a failure, (laughs) self worth out the window.
0: Yeah, I hear it. that's a that shifting that mindset. I mean, in a way, it kind of shifts everything, you know. So, you know, we're coming up onto the end of the show, John. Yeah. Uh, but for people who you know want to uh, continue kind of this discussion or want to find out more about your work, where would you direct them to?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, so, my Instagram is John Austin Foster. J-O-H-N-A-U-S-T-I-N, Foster. And my website, HeroicCoaching.co. So HeroicCoaching.co. And the whole idea behind Heroic Coaching is you're put on Earth. So the, the definition of hero is protector, not killer of bad guys, right? So hero is someone who protects and serves other people. So when you have purpose to your training, you are now taking on the definition of hero. So heroiccoaching.co is my website. Awesome. So
0: we'll include sh- uh, links to that in the show notes and for the listeners who enjoyed the show, I would really appreciate it. If you could like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roscoe's wetsuit neuro, and you can listen to the audio versions of the show on any of the major audio platforms, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, or any of the other ones we are on the mall. And if you have any comments, questions, or uh, suggestions for uh, future guests that you'd like to see on the show, feel free to shoot me a DM at Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro on Instagram. So John, again, I wanted to really thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed it too. Thanks for letting me rant on. (laughs) Absolutely.